Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Coliseum podcast, where we're kind of wrestling through Romans. And I'll just let you know, it is going to be quite a wrestling match today as we embark on chapter nine, verses one through 29 of Romans. Um, My name is Haley Eccles, and I'll be the host today. I am the director of Campus to City Wesley, and I am joined today by Ty Revel, Re- no Revel. I don't know why I said that. I, it makes me want to start over, but you know what? We're flawed. I'm going to leave it in there. We're, if you if you uh, if you look to any of my family in California, they're all Revel out there. But down here in the South, we're all Rebel. Yeah, and I always think like it rhymes with Rebel. Love it. Um, Not but what you'll do with my name? Make it yeah. fancy. <laughs> And then we're also joined by the Reverend Ben Richards. Um, Thank y'all for being here today. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation with both of you. I want to give y'all a second to introduce yourselves with the correct pronunciations of your names, um, where you are and what you're doing. And then also... I know that the two of you really enjoy gaming. And so uh, maybe as a way of letting people get to know you a little bit, if there is a a gaming character that you particularly identify with or enjoy, um, because icebreaker questions are also tough and we should have to answer our own if we propose them. I, I really, I am not a gamer. I play games on my phone, which tend to not have characters. Um, but the last game I played that had like actual characters um, was probably like Mario Kart Racing um, or Super Mario Party. And I can't even remember the person. I, I pick Rosalina every time, um, but I have no idea what her backstory is. I just know that she's kind of a pretty color of blue. And um, I know that her dice is really great in Mario Party. So I don't know what that says about me, but Ty, take it away. I'm going to be honest. I don't know much about Rosalina either. Um, I do know that she, I think she's a character in Super Smash Brothers, um, which is pretty fun. Um, Okay. So, well, I guess I'm giving a little more context to myself and then, and then diving into the, the video game part of things. So my name is Ty Revel. Or if you take me to California, I'll be Ravel. Um, I am Senior Assistant Director at Campus to City Wesley Foundation. Um, And I've been in this position for a little less than a year. Um, Coming up on a year in June. Uh, So it's been a pretty pretty wild ride so far. Um, Now, in terms of video game characters that I relate with i'll admit that my entire like 85 percent of my brain right now is is occupied by this video game called destiny 2 which is like my favorite game of all time at, at this point in my life and i'm just thinking of characters in this game that i relate with and there's quite a few of them um but basically there's any character like the plot of this game is like there's this giant like 
orb thing that floats above the earth and has given everybody these like amazing powers and everybody sort of reveres it as a god um and lately in the story like their like faith in this thing called the traveler they call it has been like shaken a little bit and as somebody who has experienced uh faith transitions and shaky foundations of of faith and had to uh, deconstruct and is, is still in the process of reconstruction. Um, I relate to any character who has had their faith in this traveler shaken. Uh, characters such as Commander Zavala or Ikora or Osiris uh, or any of these really cool characters that um, I relate with. And if there's anybody listening who uh, cares about Destiny, hit me up. <laughs> Nice. He's just going to get a group together and explore characters while shooting stuff. I love it. Oh, I've got, I've got a group, but there's, there's slots open. Well, Ben, take it up. So I think um, for me, Oh wait, no, right. I want to go straight to the video game. Uh, so my name is Ben Richards. I am uh pastor in the United Methodist Church. It is my distinct privilege uh, to serve currently both uh, San Marco Church and uh, the district office, where I work for the district and the conference. Um, and uh, one of my favorite things, and I'm not just saying this because I'm in the podcast for it, is it's really just the ways that San Marco and CCW and Studio Wesley are connected because I just think like it's, I've just gotten to meet and work with such amazing people and so I'm excited to uh, join this and just and offer some thoughts on a, a frustrating passage <laughs> which I am wrestling with as well I love yeah it's a good word for it wrestling through Romans and especially this chapter uh, for video games so it's funny uh, I'm so glad you went to Ty first but I'm still not ready only because for me, one of the things that, so I play video games primarily for immersion to really just dig in and lean into the character. And so a lot of times my character is someone I'm not. So for example, what I play most of the time now is uh, this really heavily modded Skyrim. And I got to tell you, like one of some of my favorite stuff to do is to be a character that acts the ways that I never would like fully lean into like what might be just called the evil choices because it's just it's interesting to see the the way the world responds and how you have to account for that and all that. But if I had to pick a, the reason being primarily is that characters are always so heroic and powerful and it just I don't really feel it. But I will say that the character arcs that I have most identified with and really enjoyed are often like redemption stories or you know dragging yourself out of the muck. And the first ones that come to mind for me are John Marston and uh oh arthur what arthur morgan from the red dead redemption games part of that is i just love westerns and i love those games but also because both of them are just they're on this journey uh where they find themselves in the situation where they've spent their whole life trying to get to and they realize not only is it crumbling but they have been a part of committing these you know committing harm and and create anyways i just so i love that so i would say uh, john marston and uh arthur uh see i forgot it again morgan, morgan. thank you yes i love them so much i can't think of their names it's like the anti-western western yeah yeah, yeah. 
Um, I just have a question for you, Ben, really quick as we kind of wrap up our video game conversation. But do you yeah. get do you get to the cloud district very often? I don't think, of course you don't. <laughs> so there's this great mod. That every time he asks you that, he gets shot into the air like 300 feet. <laughs> and so there's all these really fun Nazim mods. And one of them too is, uh, what's that like, that weird walk that that MMA fighter does? There's one that gives him and only him that walk. So you can see him coming from a mile away. I just, Nazim is such a, it's such a meme. I love it. Yeah. Yes. No, I don't get the cloud district very often. But neither does he. He sleeps in an inn in the in the first, the lowest district, which name is escaping. Yeah, I don't remember the name of that either. All right, let's talk about something uh related to all right this podcast genre. Yeah, well, I think so. First of all, I'll just set up this conversation around Romans and remind people that we aren't reading all 29 verses we're going to be talking about today. Um, Some of us may read portions of it to make our points, but if you haven't read Romans 9, 1 through 29, go ahead and pause this now and read it so that you're um, connected and caught up with where we're at. Um, we're actually embarking on kind of a new section of Romans. Um, there's not an official like layout or outline for how Romans works, but we ended our last, uh, section on this passage that is pretty familiar and loved in scripture. Um, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Um, that kind of ended this conversation um, where we're wrestling with the fact that um it's not necessarily that we are like bad as human people. We're just not God. And so we crescendo on what that life of spirit really is and who God is as someone who has this perpetual love for us. So now we're kind of going into a whole section where we're wrestling with what, how do we understand who God's people are specifically the people of Israel in light of who Jesus is. And it's a journey and the only way out is through, but we set it up in a really difficult way. So we're going to start with our first question um, and try to like welcome ourselves into this text. Um, And the question is, what did you like? I'll ask Ty if you will kick us off on that. Yes. Um, not much <laughs> is um, the short answer, but I did feel the need to uh, dig through and try to um, pull something out of this that I really did enjoy. Um, and it ended up being not so much the content uh, of what Paul was saying, but how he ended up saying things, uh, which and, and we talked about this recently um, in another conversation, not in the podcast land uh, about this passage. Uh, and there's a point where I think it starts in verse 19, um, where Paul starts to ask questions. Um, and I thought that there was at least 
some level of humility uh, there that perhaps Paul uh, is not so directly admitting that he doesn't have all the answers. Um, and he's just wondering aloud in this letter that he's writing. Um, and I thought that that was, um, well, yeah, I, there's just a, a, a sense of humility that I get there. Um, although it's very fleeting <laughs> and I also like, I, I don't know. I just appreciate that there's that, that, that small moment of, of, um, humility and in, in the midst of a lot of like doom and gloom um that's what i liked thanks ty um ben what did you like yeah thanks so similarly i think there were a few things although some of them i'll save as we sort of wrestle through the difficulty because i think there is some glory that comes from that, so to speak, but two things that jump out at me. One of them, really, I would just say ditto to Ty. I think both the section that he named as well as the first few verses to me do speak to a humility for Paul, which, and, and look, Paul, I think if you read Paul, then you wrestle with Paul um, because, but one of the things I also like about Paul, perhaps because of that, is that he wrestles with himself um, as well. I think there is some humility. There is some frustration. Um, there is some, and, and, I, and that's part of what I experienced. The other, and I, but, but to say is that I, I did like that um, because again, if nothing else, one of the things that I need when I'm reading Paul is to be reminded, although he does a good job of reminding me that he's just a human being um, and that he's not always, you know, he's, he's, he's wrestling as well. And uh, the other thing I do like, though, and this is I mean, this is sort of a maybe a overly simplistic answer, but a big part of what he's leaning into here is that nothing is promised because of your genealogy or because of your history or your family or even are you a part of the people that God once set aside in Abram um, and <laughs> what I like about that is that that means I can be included. Um, I mean, again, that's a very simple answer, but the truth is, is that I don't, I am not a part of that people. And yet the work of Jesus brings me in. Um, and so here I am because of the, of that very opportunity, that promise that he is naming here. Uh, I really like that as much as um, it can feel when we, read these words of Paul that some of that is like wielded as a weapon of like, I can be chosen and other people can't be chosen. I do think that ultimately that is kind of Paul's point. Um, what I, I like and what can be so hard about reading these texts is that it doesn't feel like Paul is standing up for the little guy because for us, Christianity is the largest worldwide religion. And especially in America, it has this way of being kind of placed at the center. Um, and so the conversation around Jewish peoples feels like it's denigrating the little guy, because in our context, that is the little guy. But in this time period, um, 
these Gentiles who are trying to make their way into the community are kind of like the little guys, so to speak. They're that there is this sense. And so there's this place in verse um, 24 where he talks about it being us whom God has called, um, not just from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. And just in the way he uses that word us and the way that it feels like um very inclusive. It's not um, them, the Gentiles, it's us. It's all of us that like God has, has called and pursued and loved. Um, I just, I felt like there was this sense of like come camaraderie as a community and trying to draw people together, um, even in a passage that can feel um, a little difficult to be doing that in. So um, I think we'll have a lot deeper conversation around our next uh, question of what challenged you. So, um, Ben, can you just go ahead and set our stage for challenge? Sure. Um, I love to muddy the waters, but Paul's done a good job ahead of me. I, and really, I think Haley, gosh, you really set me up because I, and if I may, I don't know if this is allowed, but the question that you asked is what challenged you? I, and this did challenge me, but I want to say what made me feel gross? <laughs> and and really like you, you've really hit the nail on the head for me um, is that contextually, this is so different today versus almost 2000 years ago when this was written in particular around the faith and participants in that faith uh, today, and especially in the country we find ourselves in, and, and even again, in particular ways in the time we find ourselves in around conversation of Christian nationalism, or whether or not this is historically or currently a Christian nation, and I'm not going to make this about that, because holy, whew, that's another podcast altogether, uh, that's a series, anyways, uh, but I, I, I agree, I think one of the biggest frustrations I have for this and what makes me feel gross or what challenged me is that these are the verses that I witness and experience and have experienced being used to marginalize the other, uh, the person who is who does not believe as I believe. Um, verses like uh, 11, which speaks about election, um, or, or verse 16, which says, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who shows mercy. And I get excited about that. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. It's not about us. And then verse 18 says, so then he has mercy on whomsoever he chooses. And I'm like, yes. And he hardens the heart of whomsoever he chooses. I'm like, okay, hold on. <laughs> and I mean, I, I have I have always wrestled with verses like that. The idea that God is somehow uh, blocking or choosing to condemn or damn uh, certain persons because in addition, I think like the ways that those can be, and, and Haley used a word I love, especially around scripture, wielding it against people uh, to say, well, they are not. And so in particular, to use the context, Haley, that you offered, which I think is really important, is that the ways that the that passages or verses like this can be understood, and quite frankly, that I is 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 the first thing I always get out of them, so I get it, is that somehow God is against certain people because of 
what they believe and it is perhaps again depending on how you read this is perhaps engaged in the very decisions that have placed them in that place of uh, a hardened heart or not in the family um and that is not what i believe i don't think that that simplistic way of looking at it is all at least is all that paul's saying but but that makes me feel gross thanks ben yeah my challenge uh is that is everything you said and because you just described it so fully um i'll just add a new challenge onto that um you know like God is really hard to understand. <laughs> like that is just, that is just a fact that there is so much, um, when we talk about kind of like the nature of God or who God is, there are things that we can identify with because I think those are the things that make us created in the image of God, the idea of, of love and kindness and justice. But then there's all these other things about divinity um, that make God feel so far, um, the kind of like, uh, all powerful, all knowing, um, the, the unending eternal, all present, like all of these things that are just so far from who we are. And I think anytime we try to say anything succinctly about God's nature, that is outside of who we are we end up backing ourselves into corners that we don't know how to get out of. And I think that's a lot of what we see happening here because for us, God's choosing one person is a zero sum game that if God chooses one person, it means God doesn't choose a whole bunch of other people. And Amen. I I also think that like the nature of who God is means that we maybe we're just too limited in understanding God's choice that for us, it's a zero sum game, but maybe that's just not how it plays out for God. Like maybe there are just so many other avenues that we cannot see. And so we see these part portions of the text. This is like from, from six to uh, like 18 or so where Paul is laying out these places where God has chosen people and that the other side of that coin means that God like didn't choose other people. And it leads us to these places of Islamophobia and anti-Semitism and places that we, um, I feel like are really missing the point of God's choice. Um, and yet, because we back ourselves into these corners, I think that they can get used in really, really harmful ways. And I want to redeem them. And I want to say that God is so much bigger than that. And I can't change the fact that this is black and white in the text so that there are some churches who have denigrated portions of our society because they are the God murderers um, or because they are um, the God deniers. Um, and yeah, I think that it's a limited view and I think it's one that's caused a lot of harm and brings a lot of challenge. Um, 
I don't think that's the only thing that challenged me because it was also all of what Ben said and probably 18 other things. But um, yeah, that's my challenge. Um, Ty, what about you? What was your challenge? Well, pretty simply, like I was really challenged by the, and you, and you touched on this before, like at the, at the top of this portion, the, such a stark difference between the end of chapter eight and everything in this chapter. Um, like what happens between like, like, did he, did he just like finish writing chapter eight and then like went out and had a really bad day and then like came back and was like, I need to dunk all over these fools. Like it, it just, I don't get it. Um, and like, I did a little bit of content and I don't know if where I'm about to go in, in, I, I don't have, I, I don't have a, a theological degree. I've not studied like, you know, um, like intertextual, uh, um, what's the word I need here? Uh, <laughs> why can't I think of this word? Uh, context, like, yeah. uh, the context of, of the d different passages. So like he mentions a couple of different like books. Um, and so I like went back and did some, some reading, uh, particularly in Hosea, because I was kind of confused about uh, like 19 through like 26. Um, like, you know, it's, it's where he's asking all these questions like about, you know, doesn't he, doesn't the, the potter have uh right over the clay to, you know, make one for special use and another for ordinary use. Like, and it talks a lot about God's like wrath um, and God making known uh, God's power. Um, and so like, I, I, I went back into Hosea to, to get context for the part that says those who were not my people, I will call my people and her who was not beloved. I will call beloved. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. They shall be called children of the living God. That part confused me because he's talking about like, Oh yeah, well, shouldn't some things be like kind of whatever, nothing. And other things are like, you know, specifically chosen and are a part of the, a part of the, uh, the deal, a part of the kingdom. Like, why is he now going back and saying that God is going to to choose everybody? That's what it sounds like to me. So I went back into Hosea and I read that whole thing. It's Hosea chapter two. Um, and it talks about like a woman who like was a prostitute and God straight up drags this woman through wilderness and thorns and like, she's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm in a bad way. I'll go to like some of my old lovers and like god like puts blocks uh, like blocks her path so she can't get to them and like she's like well i'll go back to my like first husband or something and he like makes that not be able to happen and she becomes like barren and like she has no water she's thirsty she's this like dry thing and obviously like this is not a real like literal woman it's uh I, it seems to me like it's talking about like Israel uh, and like people who like went away to worship different gods and like, you know, God's like, I'm going to make things really terrible for you because I'm super jealous. Uh, and then like they come back 
they find their way back to God and God's like, okay, well now I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, feed you a little bit and I'm going to like give you a little bit of uh, nourishment and a little bit of sustenance. Um, and like, to me, that sounds like in a pretty abusive relationship um, of like, yeah, I'm going to do all these horrible things to you and then I'm going to make it better. Uh, but don't you do it again because you know what I can do to you. And like for him, for Paul to take that part, uh, like that sort of idea and then apply it to um, this letter that he's writing where he's like sort of talking about how, oh yeah, like the Jews and the Gentiles, like they're not all that different. Like everybody is welcomed in the kingdom of God if you have faith. But then there, there's these other people that are like, sort of mystery folks who are to me like in my read like mystery people who are like not part of the deal uh but are they jews and gentiles are they part of israel like he's just jumping all over the place and i can't keep track of it and i just like everything that he's saying really pain or paints god as this like you know kid kid over an anthill with a magnifying glass just like smiting people with reckless abandon uh, like choosing which ones are going to get to live based on like i don't know i don't know but based on based on what I, I it's it's all very confusing to me and it frustrates me and that's what i don't like <laughs> maybe maybe i'm uh i am a little ignorant and not being able to like find uh like the underlying you know context or or message here but that's just where i uh where i'm at well i think uh, ben had something he wanted to respond to in this. I know I have things I want to respond to in it. And I just, I think it's a, I think it is a very important point to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, if we start another wrestling through a book podcast, I think Hosea could be a great subject for us to go through um, because it provides this image of God as um a like husband with this like prostituting wife as like this image of um, a God who is jealous for um, a people who continue to, you know, seek after other gods and stuff like that as that image. But it's also this image of a marginalized, battered woman who it's just a really hard image to wrestle with. Um, and it's funny. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all have ever read the book, redeeming love by Francine rivers, but she, she tries to, um, modernize the tale in Hosea and in, um, the evangelical circles I used to swim in, Um, It was held up as this beautiful romance novel um, that's set during the time of like the gold rush and moving out West um, where a man um, buys a wife who's a prostitute and basically um, loves her into redemption. Um, And I hated it because the, the power structures, like it didn't feel like it could sufficiently be a romance. This is a woman who really doesn't have a lot of choice and agency and hope. Um, and so I think it's a really good point to like bring us back to. 
I also think that the people who would be reading it um, would feel scandalized that this passage that was being used to help Israel feel cared about um, and brought into the love of God at a time where they're going through exile and hardship, um, that Paul would use that to talk about the Gentiles who have been outside of the kind of chosen people and that God would bring them in, but it still is a really problematic image. Um, and yeah, I, I think we, we could talk a lot more about it. Um, Ben, I'd love to hear your thoughts around, um, anything that Ty said. Sure. Sure. And I, Ty, I'm, I'm with you. And, and this is the thing, like I, so I mean, you both know this about me, but I, not growing up in the church, but what experiences I did have, it were often more of the things that I mentioned earlier wrestling with just the sense of being set apart. And, and so some like, but also with the, there's this great expression in this old song. And I only know it honestly, because it was redone by jars of clay. And even that ages me uh, quite a bit, but that the idea that being a Christian is to look at the world through rose colored stained glass windows. And my interpretation of that has always been, we're set apart. We're in here looking out in there, casting aspersions, casting judgment, and and we know that we're okay because we're okay because God has chosen us. And to me, I, so this is what again. I, I, this is a hard passage, and I don't want to um, do the oversimplification of it because I also want to just name that one of my passions, Haley, I think pointed at, which to me is to say we're not God. Um, there's this great book, and I've never read it but I love the title. It's your God is too small. And I feel like we need to like, keep saying that to ourselves that every time we think we've got God figured out, we have made a mistake <laughs> because, because we're not God. Uh, even this conversation, like should always conversations like this should always be approached. God is so big that God can handle it when we get it wrong. But I also think we should be careful about what we assert as absolutely fundamentally true. Um, and especially the assertion that I think Paul is really wrestling with here is that his people, the people of Israel, have done just that, have said, but we're the descendants, we're the chosen ones, so we're good. And I think a big part of what he's saying, and perhaps even intentionally right after the end of eight, is what he's saying is, get over yourselves. <laughs> um, it, it's not just you. And I think in no small part, because it's being fashioned or, or presented here within the context of the welcoming of the Gentile, um, which was precisely that. Now, the, what I went back and read, Ty, uh, was Genesis 12, where Abraham is called. Abram becomes Abraham. And, and the part that I feel like we can gloss over so quickly is in Genesis 12, Verse three says, I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And I think one of the things that Jesus came in and tried to correct was the idea that that blessing is for you, that that sets you apart so that you are God's chosen and good job, congrats. 
But it's actually from the very first words God speaks to Abram is for the blessing of all the families of the earth. And so again, I, I mean, and, and again, one of, one of my all-time favorite passages, this, if, if I had, a, can I have a life chapter? I don't know if that works. We were talking about life versus earlier. I still don't fully comprehend the idea, but, but um, in Luke four, Jesus's first public ministry in the gospel of Luke, when he preaches that in your hearing, this, this is being fulfilled. Everybody goes crazy. They love it until he reminds them of all the people outside of their faith that God has used in their own history. And then they try and kill him. And so it's it, to me, like, that's part of what Paul is doing here too, is saying, Hey, so I will just say like the question, the, that that I'm trying to like curtail this in, and then I'll shut up and I'm going long, but like, Part of the blessing that I receive from this passage, I think, is the reminder that that is how God works, that it's not about that it's not about some sort of inherited or inherent sort of love that is separated or distinct to me because or or and, and here I'm just going to say this, that there is no part of who I am. It's not because I'm American. It's not because I'm white or I'm male, or I'm cis, or I'm straight, or I'm single. It's none of those things or anything else. It is because of God's mercy. And so for me, like, there's this sense of uh, verse, what, what if God, desiring to show his wrath, making his power, has endured with much patience? Or he goes on um, naming that, that it's not just from the Jews God has called, and then says, and I love this, and in the very place where it was said to them, we read this earlier, verse 26, in the very place it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called children of the living God. And that's a promise. That's a blessing to me. Now, it's 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 surrounded by this messiness, but I, I think that what Paul is really wrestling with here and what he's really trying to get across is that you cannot just sit on your hands or you cannot rest on your laurels you cannot rest on your heritage or your wealth or your gender or your nationality or anything and to understand that that is, it is in fact god's blessing it's interesting to me and i just i'm just thinking of this i want to go back and read it again but like list all these things none of these things can separate us from the love of god and yet what we end up doing is we take those things and say those are also the things that that ensure my love of God uh, because I have these things because I am powerful or wealthy or white or American or whatever. Um, that's you know, but again, we lean on those things and say that's what it is. And so I think a part of what he's doing is working out his frustration and saying like, no, you bumbling idiots, it's not about that. Um, and in fact. The very ones of you who are doing that, who are saying, as he goes on and says, like, um, you know, the number of the children of Israel, like the land of the sea in verse 28, but uh, that's 27, excuse me, only a remnant of them will be saved. And I don't think that's because God is trying to punish people or choose people to, to push out. But I think what he's naming is, is that among those people wrestling with the coming of the Messiah, in Paul's view, and in my view, um, if they refuse this corrective redemptive reconciling gift then no you're not going to be saved just because of your heritage just because your genealogy or etc so that was a blessing to me because again just to be reminded because it to me that's just coming at it another way there's nothing that can separate me from the love of god and that also means that there's nothing that i can hold on to present and say hey look this 
proves. No, no, that's not how it works. It continually comes back to God's gift, God's mercy, God's love. Yeah, and I think when we really, uh, to me, this this question of where do you find a blessing is about not just the easy things that are accessible to us. It's it's going through the difficulties of the passage and and going through the weeds to find these places where God shows up. For me, I think that where, where God shows up is in two words that Paul uses um, when he is trying to assert something about God. And he says, what if, what if God Da, 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 da. Like, what if this is what happens? And I think there's a lot of humility to that. I think there are, there are a lot of places where people say something about God with certainty that maybe we need to be invited into those what if spaces. Um, his, his, he's kind of put himself in this corner of like, you know, God, God, shows compassion to those he shows compassion to. And then also that must mean that God is showing wrath to people. God chooses to show wrath, but I can't even fully embrace that. So I'm just going to say, what if, what if the ones that, um, God shows wrath to, what if there's actually patience behind that? What if that there's actually hope behind that? Um, and, and what if that provides way of God's glory and mercy being shown to so many more? Um, what if the fact that Jesus, um, came first to the Israelites, but didn't come only to the Israelites means that there's just room for so many more people than we've ever comprehended. Um, I think that that we still have to continue to walk through this argument so that we can see where uh, where he lands with his people and with Israel and how we see redemption happening. But I just see a little bit of hope in what if. And I think that so much of my own theology starts in these what if statements because I feel like God has to be bigger than what I have imagined and the moment where, um, God likes the same people I like, and God, uh, hates the same people I hate and shows wrath to the people that I don't like, um, is the moment where God has become too small. And what if needs to come in, um, and invite me to, to include and to, um, to find something bigger and something more hopeful. Yeah. Ty, what about you? Where did you find a blessing? Well, um, I feel based on what Ben said that I kind of came to a similar conclusion, although I um, didn't come to it by the same way. I, I, I really, I just, I found a blessing in this text outside of the text. Like I, I, I found a blessing in my own convictions um, in what I, what I believe that like God chooses me and God chooses everyone else every single day. Um, and I am free to choose God today and tomorrow and, and yesterday. And so is everybody else. Um, I, I just, I don't find that there is um, room in my understanding of God for 
an us versus them mentality. Um, and some people uh, would would argue with me about that. Uh, I'm certain that you know it's there in the text, so you better believe it. But I I don't come to it that way, um, and I find a blessing in spite of this text um, that that I am chosen and I choose every day. I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's a, a passage we'll continue to wrestle with, but our next podcast will actually take us through the rest of his argument through the end of chapter 11. So I hope we'll be able to find some, some blessing or at least understand uh, what all this setup was for. Um, but I really appreciate y'all for engaging in this conversation. And I'm going to ask if Ben would close us in a word of prayer. Yeah, and thank you for letting me be a part of this conversation. Um, let's pray together. Loving God, um, well, we, we name you that right here and now. We name you a God who is love and who loves. A God who we believe is at work in the lives of all out of that love and through that love. That we name as grace and that we celebrate and so help us, God, not to slip into the simpler ideas. To not read scripture and find ourselves justified or, as Ty put it so well, leaning into an us versus them way of seeing others, of seeing the world. That makes us feel more comfortable and right, but moves us further away from the very gift and power of your love. Help us instead to see the tremendous and ever-present and ever-working and ever-needed gift of grace in our lives to be the very same ways that you are at work in everyone around us. All the families of the earth, God, they might be blessed through us and through them and in ways that we could never comprehend or acknowledge or understand this side of heaven and, and maybe still after that. All we know, God, is that um, that we love you and we, we give you thanks for the ways that you work in us. Thank you for this continuing conversation, for the ways that you engage us through your word and through the gifts of conversation and one another. And help us as we continue to seek you in this season and in all others and seek to follow you always. Amen. The Coliseum Podcast is a production of Campus to City Wesley, serving college-aged young adults in Jacksonville, St. Augustine, and Northeast Florida. Thank you to our host, our guests, our production staff for their work on this episode. We'll talk to you next week.